0: Hey, I'm glad that you guys are here. Um, if you're part of junior high or high school, you guys are in the landing, get out of here. We love you, but go. Um, so you guys go over to the venue over there if you're new to the landing, we're so glad you're here. Um, but hey, we have a special guest tonight. So one of the things um, about this ministry is we had a chance to meet a lot of new people. And it was probably a few months ago, I met somebody that was very special. And uh, she came into my office and she had a chance to share a poem, Spoken Word. And I was blown away. And so we looked for a night where we could have her come, be a part of a Tuesday night with us. And uh, tonight, Ruby's going to come up and share some spoken words. So will you guys please welcome Ruby as she comes to the stage right now?
1: Oh, my name is Ruby, and I am a grateful believer in Jesus Christ, and I struggle with addiction. Hi, Um, Ruby. And I'm very happy to be here. I just, um, just briefly, I started writing poetry. I have 18 months clean. I started writing poetry. Um... About a year ago, when I was living at the Modesto Gospel Mission in a program there after many, many years of addiction, and I I started writing poetry, and I write poetry about addiction and homelessness, and I write poetry to God, and this poem um, is called God to the Broken Woman, and it's it's really a two-part poem, so it's, but I'm reading both parts. It's between God and the broken woman, but the reason that I wrote it is because I think that sometimes there can be a disconnect when we talk about when we're a person that has grown up in an abusive home or not been shown love in our life and we come to church or we come to recovery and they talk about this concept of loving God, just love and trust God. Well, what does that mean? How do you do that when you've never been shown love before? And so that's what this poem speaks to. Surrender your life to follow his lead. God's love is all powerful. You must trust and believe. But how do I do that? What does that mean? This love that you speak of God, I have never even seen for I'm the fear child. My life was a fight my daddy in the daytime became my monster at night brings on thunder and storm winter winds a force of destruction so powerful it will rip away at every one of your limbs like the dry branch brittled in pain who cracks in the heartbreak every time someone says i love you they then walk away don't you know god i'm the lone one that no one would claim for they say damaged is the tree that's been watered in shame and broken, is the girl who so desperately needed your help, I screamed out your name, God, and you never came. So when you ask if I trust and believe, well, I don't even know what you want me to say. Nothing, my child, I know the extent of your pain. I know every word of your story, every desire of your heart, for I wrote them. I have them engraved like your name on the palm of my hand, and there is something that I want you to understand. You can come to me with your anger. You can come to me with your pain. You can punch, kick, and scream. God, it is you that I blame, and I will sit here and listen and love you. Just the same as I did on the day you were born, as the day you gave your life to drugs, unwinnable war, I will love you the same because there is nothing in this world that you could do or say to change the way that I feel for you or my daughter. And that means something to me. You are my lost sheep, the one I chase down and claim. I'll leave the others behind to help you find your way simply because I love you and I chose you. And you have not been forgotten. You have not gone unheard and you are not alone for I am right here. I don't expect you to believe that right now, for I know the deception that wets every single one of your tears, and I want to make this message unmistakably clear. The bad things that happened to you had nothing to do with me. That was not me. You see, free will gives birth to authenticity and beauty, and gives the freedom to choose, and some use it for good. And some misuse, and many, many others abuse, for this is a fallen world, and I am so sorry you were hurt. I know every detail of your pain, and I promise you, I promise you, if you come to me, the tragic part of your story will not be in vain, but you must come to me. I don't know how. You see, I'm scared. You see, God, I'm just trying to make sense of all that you said, because it's in direct opposition to every voice I've heard in my head, telling me I'm unlovable and undeserving of love. I've built an entire belief system on that, and now you come to tell me that I've been misled? That the self-hatred I have suffered is all based on a lie? that I really am worthy and there is a meaning for my life? Because if that is the truth, do you know what that means to me deep down inside? Like my glimmer of hope still miraculously shines and I can stand in the mirror and look the world in the eye and walk down the street with my head held up high because I have never had that. I'm so overwhelmed with an emotion right now that I can't even describe like my heart has found a piece of the puzzle I've been looking for, an entire lifetime I've been looking for acceptance and love. No matter how hard I tried, it was never enough. For when you try to heal pain in all the wrong places, no matter how bad you want it or how desperately you chase it, you will never find it there. You will never find it there. And that broke me. And that broke me deep down inside. And after so many years of the same pain and anguish, I just wanted to die. I had given up and I wanted to die. And it was in that moment, it was in that moment that God came to me and said, rise up, child, because I need you alive. You are my strong one. You are my warrior princess. Your time here is not done. I know the plans I have for you. My plans to prosper you have only just begun. Come to me, daughter. And your life will be a representation of my glory as I will take the ashes from your trauma and mold your life into a beautiful story about the girl who overcame adversity and used her experience to lead many other people towards me. Come to me, daughter. And your greatest struggles will be the catapult on which I rise, the pain of your past you will use to help so many other suffering lives. Nothing is wasted in my world, daughter. Come to me, trust me, give me your heart. I'm not saying that it will always be easy, but even faith the size of a mustard seed, that is all you need to start. Yes, you will stumble many times, but I won't let you fall. We will build a life together. Take heart, daughter, rise up. Your name has been called. Thank you.
0: Um, My voice carries. Could you imagine being in my 10 by 10 office with her doing that? It was crazy! It was so awesome. I felt bad for all the administrative assistants out in the uh, admin pool, because they were like, who's in there yelling? It was awesome. It was very, very cool. Well, hey, my name is Scott. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ, and I'm in recovery for sex addiction and compulsive overeating. Uh, tonight, man... Tonight's a good night, and I'm only going to mess it up. So, uh, Lord, just uh, speak through me, use me, and uh, may your words flow out of me, may not be me. So, Lord, thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, we are on step six about being ready. Step six is a great lesson, and basically it's this idea that um, we can be ready for God to start removing our defects of character. I remember um, I was going to some uh, outside meetings and I got recommended to me a book about the sixth and seventh step. And so in that, the introduction is awesome. I love the introduction, it's pretty phenomenal. And in this introduction, it starts talking about this story, about this gal named Mary. Mary is going on a boat trip with a bunch of other people in recovery. And so she shows up to the pier and she's going out there and she realizes the boat is leaving. She is gonna be late. And so they start yelling, Mary, hurry! And so she starts booking it and she's running and she gets to the end of the pier and she jumps in and they're like, swim, swim, and she's swimming. But she realizes she's not really gaining on the boat and something keeps dragging her under the the water. And she knows that people on the boat are yelling something but she can't really understand what they're saying. And so she's just she pops her head up and she's swimming with all her might and she's going she's making a little bit of ground and re- well, she realizes she's gaining ground she also starts to lose ground and she hears the people screaming Mary and she doesn't understand what they're saying so this time she drops her head goes underwater and she's what in the world is happening like why am I not swimming faster and she realizes there's something hanging around her neck and so. She pops her head back out of water and she keeps swimming. And she hears them say, Mary, drop the rock. (laughs) And she's all, what? And she goes back underwater and she starts to untangle the stuff that's around her head, holding on to this rock. And so as she's swimming, she's swimming and she finally gets that off. And she simply just drops the rock. I had to make sure I moved so I didn't hit my foot. And she drops the rock and sure enough, she makes it to the boat. And as soon as she climbs on the boat, she's gasping for air and she's looking over the side and she looks back at the shore and she's like, holy cow, I swam a long ways. But she realizes she sees another head bobbing. And she starts yelling out, drop the rock! Drop the rock! And there's a book called Drop the Rock was well, a great book because when we're on step 6 and 7 one of the things i realized in my recovery is there's so many character defects i just love to hold on to and i need to just drop the rock and i just my wife knows my character defects the most and we were actually talking last night about some stuff i had a meeting yesterday that i just couldn't drop the rock and walking out of that meeting just realizing, I gotta drop the rock, and today, I feel like I've dropped the rock for right now. The problem is when I swim to the bottom of the ocean and I pick the rock back up and I keep swimming again. But that's how sick and twisted we are. See, in the book of John, John chapter eight, Jesus comes across a similar story. And in John chapter eight, Jesus is coming down from the mountain and these guys in town grab this lady and bring her to Jesus. And they go, hey, we caught her in adultery. Time to stone her. And they grab these rocks and they probably were not that big. Like you probably could throw that rock forever, right? But I can't. I'm like, I can barely, all I can do is drop it. So, but there's other, they grab these rocks and they're like, all right, hey, let's throw these rocks at her. And Jesus does a lot of different things, writes in the ground, all that kind of stuff. But he says this thing, he who is without sin cast the first stone. One of the things I know about this room, everybody in here has sinned. And the fact that you guys admit that you sin, makes me love you more. And what happens is one by one, they drop the rock and they turn and walk away. We need to stop stoning Our people that are hurting and struggling, that are caught in addiction, that are still in bondage, we need to continue to love them and care for them and help them walk this road that we're in, to extend grace, the same grace God gives us. We are to give those others grace. Well, tonight we're on ready and the first uh, letter is R. So ready is um, release control, that we actually release control. I admit this, I do enjoy driving, and that is a big part of it, but when we do long road trips in the car, there's just something about being in the car and driving and being in control of the steering wheel and the car and everything, I just dig it. And we just drove to uh, Oklahoma, we did two 12-hour days, and I love driving all 24 hours, it was awesome. But I know my wife, if she was to ask, I'd let her drive, but that's a control thing that i got to slowly give up and stop holding so tight. Scott Miller used to have a nickname for me. If you guys don't know who Scott Miller is, he uh, was the recovery pastor here prior to me. But he used to say, Scott, you're a bulldog. And I used to think, dude, that's a great nickname. I love being a bulldog, that's awesome, man. Bulldogs are bad knuckles, man. And then I realized, as I'm thinking about step six and seven, bulldogs grab onto things and never let go. And he was really saying, Scott, you're a bulldog. You latch onto something, and you beat that sucker down. That's what you do. And I'm like, oh, that's really not good that I'm a bulldog. The fighter in me says yes, but uh, the recovery in me says, no, you got to let go. I got to stop holding so tight. I coach wrestling, and one of the things in wrestling that's so important is your grip. You have to have good grip strength. You have to be able to risk control. All that kind of stuff is huge. My oldest son, Silas, was a great wrestler because he was able to get good risk control. He was able to hold other guys' arms still so they couldn't do anything. And then he would be able to manipulate them and put them in a pretzel or whatever he needed to do and um, pin them. And that was good stuff for him. But we hold on so tight. And I, We have these things in my car and I tell my younger boys, hey, you're wrestling, you need to start doing these things and I have this thing in my car that at every stoplight, I, I'll pull it out and I'll just start doing this hand grip strength. I just love doing it. And I switch hands and I do reps on it and I'm, I, I, just, I don't know why, I just do that. But um, the problem is is that's what we do with our recovery and our character defects. We exercise it. We exercise that revenge. We exercise that defect of character, of resentment. We dwell upon it. We think about it. And we only let it get tighter and tighter instead of letting go. But here's part of this is we have to be willing to invite God into this. Psalm 143 says this, verse 10, teach me to do your will for you are my God. May your good spirit lead me on level ground. There's a phrase in recovery that says, let go and let God And I had a sponsee that would always tell me, what in the world does that mean? I don't know what that means. And I'm like, keep coming back. Glad you're here. And then eventually he was able to go, oh, I get it. But we have to learn to let go and let God be in control, no longer us. Because when we're in control, we're initially saying, we're we're basically saying that we're God and we know better than him. And if it's under my control, then everything's going to be safe and good. But the reality is, God wants us to let go and let Him be in control. The E is this easy does it. Easy does it. It's allowing time for God to work in your life. It's not instantaneous. We want that softer, easier, gentler way, that quick fix. And yet God says, you know, it's not always going to happen like that. I'm sure there's times like a miracle we hear in scripture where he heals people. he He heals the leper. He heals the person that's blind. He heals the deaf. He heals the paralyzed. And it's instantaneous. But if you're like me, it wasn't instantaneous. It wasn't overnight. We have to allow God time to work in our life to remove these defects of character. See, sin our addiction, our acting out, whether that be controlling other people or acting out in our addiction or using our character defects is only a symptom of the problem. It's very much like when we get that cough or a cold, right? It's a symptom. It's a symptom of something else. A little post-nasal drip is just a symptom of something else. There's a weed in the garden is a symptom of something else. And we have to dive deep, and you can't, like my kids are horrible at pulling weeds. Any of you guys have kids that actually pull weeds? That just take the top off. And I'm like, what are you doing? You gotta get down there, and you gotta get the root, and you gotta pull it out. And they're just like, is that good? And there's like this, like, a, like an eighth of an inch sticking out of the weed, and I'm like, no, you just ripped the top off. <sighs> God grant me the serenity. Right? But the root is our character defects. Our character defects, Luke chapter six, verse 46 through 49 says this. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? I will show you what he is like who comes to me and hears my word and puts them into practice. He is like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck the house but could not shake it because it was well built but the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck the house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. The A and ready is this, accept the change. Acceptance is the solution to our problems, right? Love that phrase. I've been saying it one day. I'll get it more, but acceptance is the solution to my problems and we gotta accept the change in our life. We gotta accept the fact that we can't continue to behave the way we used to behave and we have to change what we're doing because otherwise we're stuck in insanity doing the same thing over and over again expecting different results. The difference between seeing and allowing change. There is a difference between seeing and and actually allowing change. I see change, but do I allow that change to happen? <laughs> I was cracking myself up with this earlier. I know I'm gonna laugh now. But we all want to guarantee that if we do the 12 steps in the biblical program, that there's actually gonna be a change and there's actually gonna be a miracle that happens in our life. We want that guarantee. And it reminds me of Tommy Boy. You guys remember Tommy Boy? You want a guarantee? I'll slap a guarantee on a box, and right? And then that, that all of a sudden, the guarantee fairy's gonna hop in your window, right? And you never know if that guarantee fairy's hopped up on, uh, he's a crazy little glue sniffer, right? <laughs> you never know. We want that guarantee, and the, here's what we have we have in scripture that God says if we follow after him, that he will heal us. James 5, we read it all the time. That if we confess our sins one to another, we will be healed. Yep. Yeah. Um, so there's a couple of verses I want to read, but there's a transition of this that happens in our life. And 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 and 14 says this: Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed as obedient children do not conform to the evil desires you have when you lived in ignorance that we start to set our mind on Jesus no longer on our old ways we start to focus on him and we're able to start to see what happens James 1:13 through 15 when tempted no one should say god is tempting me For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when by his own evil desire he is dragged away and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. This is the sinful way of our world, the sinful way of our life. It's the desires of our heart that get out of control. It's dangerous going upstairs alone because when we do, desires start to go crazy. It's our own evil desires. James chapter 4, 7 through 10 said this, Submit yourself. Then to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. That we would actually submit to God. That we would wash our hands. That we would purify our hearts. And he will lift us up. The D is this and ready, do replace your character defects. So many times in life we hear don't, 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 that was my world. Growing up it was no, 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 don't do that. Scott, look with your eyes, not your hands, right? Do your parents ever tell you that when you're in a store? I remember walking through Beardsley's, back when Beardsley's was the, 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 like the store, and I'd be like, ah, look at all these things, and my mom would constantly say, look, with your, your eyes, not your hands, yes, and I'd be like this, and I'd still like touch it with my forehead, all that kind of stuff, because that's just, that's how sick I am, I know, right? I heard no a lot. I went to a Christian school and it was don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. Well, what can I do, man? And I would always push the limit to find out what I can do or can't do. And uh, that got me in a lot of trouble. It was one of my great character defects. Um, But it gets to a point where God wants us to do stuff and we need to replace the things that we're removing from our life with positive things, with good things, with good character assets, not defects. Matthew chapter 12, verse 43 and 45 is a great story that's told. It says, when an evil spirit comes out of a man, it goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house unoccupied, swept clean and put in order. Sounds like those that are maybe on 30, 60, 90 days, right? And, uh, and then it goes and takes with it seven other spirits more wicked than itself And they go in and live there. And the final condition of that man is worse than the first. That is how it will be with this wicked generation. We can do great and we can get things out, but if we don't ever replace them with new things, if we don't replace our old character defects with character assets, those defects are just gonna come back and control us all the more. I had a sponsor that gave me poker chips and on one side of it, I would write the character defect, and then I'd flip it over and on the other side I would write the character asset, and so what he had me do is he had me pray for my character defects. When I started to struggle with control or lust or one of my other uh, character defects, procrastination is one of them, um, then I would, I would take that out of my pocket and I would start to pray and ask God to remove that character defect and to start to do the flip of that. And I would start to pray that God would allow me to be more like the opposite of whatever that defect was. It was a great reminder for me. James chapter 1, verse 22, says this: "Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says." So many of us, we come into recovery, and we just listen. That was me for a while. I just came in and listened. Man, that was a good message. And then we walk out of here and we just never apply it to our lives. You know, God wants us to apply this stuff to our life. You can sit in a garage all day, it doesn't make you a car, right? It doesn't. As much as we wish, it doesn't happen that way. The why in Ready is this, yield to the growth. Yield to the growth. Don't listen to your old thoughts. You know, you guys don't understand and it doesn't always come out. But as I get up here and I preach, I have this whole other conversation on the other half of my head. I am sick, and it's like, oh, you shouldn't have said that. Oh, I can't believe you just did that. Oh, dude, you just dropped a rock. Oh, just that whole stuff. That's why sometimes when I'm I'm talking, all of a sudden this random phrase comes out. That's the other side of my head talking as I'm preaching. It's crazy. But there's this thought and this process of I have to yield to the growth and I can't listen to some of those old thoughts that go through my head. The ones that tell me that I'm worthless. The one that tell me I'm a loser. The one that says nobody likes you. The ones that say, why the heck are you even a recovery pastor? Yeah. I got a sick brain. It's dangerous going upstairs alone, so I have to have people in my life that will help me go upstairs. And I have to take a moment to step back and look at the growth that's within me. I'm way different than when I started recovery. I'm not there and I haven't reached the mark yet, but I'm way different and way better than when I started. Romans chapter 12, verses one and two says this, therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, This is about us being that living sacrifice and laying on the altar and saying, God, do with me as you will. Use me in any way that you see that will help others, but that we would not conform to the patterns of the world, that we would not get caught up in what the world says and thinks and does, but that we would renew our mind and change our mind, transform our mind through scripture and through what God calls us to do. And so I challenge you today. I got to bend down like properly or my back's going to go out. But here it is. (laughs) I challenge you. I don't know what your rock is that you're holding on to today. But I do challenge you, whatever that rock is, that you would drop the rock. That you would let it go. And you would allow God to do the work in your life. So let me close with a serenity prayer. Please stand and join me. if I surrender to your will, so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next, amen. Amen, glad you guys are here. First time guest right across the hallway, second time guest right up front. Love you guys, see you at dessert. Oh, focus question, what area of your life have you been able to surrender to Jesus Christ? And what area are you still holding on to?